Well, good morning, everybody. Wow, I sound really loud today. That was awesome. How are you guys doing? Yeah? First Sunday of November, you excited about that? Yeah? I, every Sunday, come on! That's what I'm talking about. Uh, this is awesome. I, was, uh, I saw Andy uh, Sisk in the bathroom. Hey, Andy. And uh, guys talk in the bathroom. I don't know about girls. Do girls talk in the bathroom? You got to choose when you talk, but it's okay to talk sometimes. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. But uh, I saw Andy, and he said, yeah, I'm already counting down to Christmas. <laughs> he's a teacher, so you can kind of understand what he's going through. But um, it is crazy when the calendars turn into November. It's just hard to believe that it's this time of year, but it is. Um, we are so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us today. I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here, and uh, we are just a big family uh, of faith here in this community. We are united together by our faith and love for Jesus Christ because we believe and uh, hold as our only hope uh, that he loves us and he gave himself for us. And because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We are a happy people. We are a hope-filled people. We are good news people. Uh, We believe in God's extravagant love for us and his love for us is our everything. Love so undeserved but love so free and full, given by his grace for all to receive and believe uh, because of what he has done for us and his son, Jesus. That is who we are. That's what we're about. And uh, I'm just so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us today. As we continue in worship today, we are continuing our study of the gospel of John. And so if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to get them open to the book of John. Today we're in chapter eight. Uh, We are in week eight and chapter eight of our series And the title of our message today is Jesus, Our Freedom. We have a cool ICC app uh, that you can download and use for notes, or you could take notes in your sermon series guide or uh, on a piece of paper in your phone. Um, But let me pray as we open God's word together today and hear uh, from God. Father, we come to you thanking you for this wonderful day of worship. Thank you. Lord, that we have just sung and heard proclaimed that there is power in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ascribe all power to you today, God, because you are our all-powerful God. And we thank you that in all of your power, you have given all of your love. And Lord, you have extended complete grace to sinners like us, Lord. Lord, you did not come for the well, you came for the sick. And I just thank you, God, so much that, Lord, you looked upon us and chose to have grace Lord, that you have done everything from start to finish and your son needed to bring us back to you, Lord. And it is you that we want and so desperately need. So God, we just thank you. Lord, minister to us today. There are so many needs in this room. There are different things going on in our our hearts, our lives, our families, our friend group. Lord, we need you. And I just pray that you would remind us today of who you are and who we are and our place and relationship with you, God, that you would speak to us the hope and love and freedom of Jesus. God, by your Holy Spirit, that you would work in a powerful way in our hearts. Our hearts are open to you, God. We don't want to just hear. We don't want to just think. But, Lord, we want to experience you. And so, God, we yield ourselves to you, listening to you and your word. And we just pray, thank you for Jesus and in his name. Amen. 
Well, we are in our series, Word Became Flesh. It's all about Jesus. John wrote with a clear purpose. He said, yeah, I could have written so much, but these things I have written, he tells us in chapter 20. You should probably get a hold of this by now. These things I have written that you may know that Jesus is the Christ and that you might believe in him. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that you might believe in him. And by believing in him, that you might have life in his name. It's the clear purpose of John's book. He says that Jesus is the word. He is God himself in flesh. You want to know what God is like? Get to know Jesus. And this book is all about Jesus. We've just uh, turned the corner. Jesus has had walked into that festival of booths and had stood up to give that invitation to all who who thirst, come and drink and, and I will fill your heart. Rivers of living water will flow through your heart. He, he's come inviting us back to relationship with God to whom we belong. And he's come extending an invitation for us to experience life, life as it was originally meant to be, life to the full. Well, we turn the corner now into John chapter 8. And I'm going to read uh, the scripture today and we're going to walk through it together. But if you've got your Bibles, John chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Actually, we'll start in 753, which is grouped here with verse 1. They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down, and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman's been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to him, said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground, but When they had heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I have come from and where I'm going, but... You do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury 
as he taught in the temple, but, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away, and you will seek me. You will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. Now they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me, He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And they answered, "Uh, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, Well, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he who sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe in me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe in me? 
Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not from God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor the Father, my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Are you greater than the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not even yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the word of God. What a great chapter, right? Anybody excited to spend more time in this chapter in your daily readings this week? Yeah? Anybody excited to be in small groups this week go deeper? Yeah? Anybody excited about the sermon I'm about to preach? Please say yes. See how I see how strung you along there? I was just... Anyway. Um, obviously, I'm not going to be able to preach this whole chapter, but I do want to focus in today on one theme that I see that is unique in this chapter that is nowhere else, really. It's tied in other places throughout the book, but it is so clear here in this chapter. And I do hope that you will read and engage in small group this week because there's so much to study and to, to just soak in and to receive from Jesus as we spend time in this chapter. But this morning, our theme is Jesus, our freedom. I want to go ahead and give you our main point, and then I want to walk through it. We're going to take a narrow passage of Scripture this morning, starting in verse 31, but I want to walk through the main point uh, real quick with you. You can write this down. By his truth and grace, Jesus brings full freedom of heart and life to all who trust and abide in him. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I'll say it again as you're writing. By his truth and grace, Jesus brings full freedom of heart and life to all who trust and abide in him. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
Everybody ready? We're going to zoom back in now, okay? There's a lot going on in chapter 8, but we're going to zoom in on the interaction with Jesus and the Jewish people here in, in verse 31 through 33 primarily. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? In 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And then in verse 36, you can circle this, highlight it, underline it, whatever. So you should be memorizing this verse this week. It's our memory verse as a church. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Would y'all say that with me? If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus, our freedom. First thing that I want you to write down is this. Freedom is a basic human desire. We all want to be free. Anybody agree with that? It's a basic human desire. Okay, to understand this, just take the opposite of what freedom is. Well, slavery, bondage, anybody want that? Okay, good. So we've established this point. Jesus, in a similar way to as he stands up in chapter 7 and speaks to the thirst and the longing of our soul, Jesus is helping us to know another part of who he is, who God is, God in flesh, standing before the people. He's helping us to know another part of who he is, who God is, and what he has come to do. As he stands before the people and he says, in verse 31, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Everyone, everyone, everywhere wants to be free. Everyone yearns for that perpetual state of of happiness, unending bliss in the place of of freedom. Jesus is speaking uh, to our heart. He's speaking to a basic human desire. Everyone wants to be free. But the real question that I would ask you is this, what is real freedom? It's an important question for us. What is real freedom? I don't want to go too philosophical on us because I'm a Bible teacher and I want to stick with the Bible. But obviously there is some confusion about what Jesus is talking about because immediately after he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, the people standing right in front of him would go, uh, are you crazy? We ain't, we ain't enslaved anybody. The, I mean, look at the Jewish people's response in 33. They answered, we're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you tell us you will become free? Anybody ever had anyone? I, I've talked, let me just talk about my experience. Um, before I knew the Lord, I thought, um, this would be crazy in a sense that the Lord would be offering me freedom because as I thought about the Lord, I thought about freedom, like going to the Lord meant giving up my freedom. Anybody ever 
have that experience? Where at one point in your life you thought a relationship with God looked like you giving up your freedom? Um, where you think that you're free when you're just free to do whatever it is that you want to do? Um, in the Jewish people's mindset, they're dealing with some stuff where they're almost offended that he's offering them freedom. Because they're like, we're in a place of freedom already. Why are you offering us freedom? We don't need to be free. We haven't been enslaved to anyone. Now, obviously, they're not talking about true enslavement because the Jewish people, I mean, they would have known this. Like, they were taken captive again and again, like the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Even now, here, they're being, like, occupied by the Romans. Like, they're obviously not talking about um, their, their physical enslavement. Even in, you know, the 400 years in Egypt. Just think about it. This is a huge part of the Jewish people's history. So, they're obviously thinking something deeper in their hearts. Like, what do you mean? You, you're telling us that you're our key to freedom and we don't feel the need for freedom. We actually already feel free. And if we're not careful, a lot of us will equate, well, we will define freedom in the wrong way. We will go after what we think in our minds is real freedom. But in fact, Jesus knows better than us because he's God and designed us to be free. He knows what real freedom looks like. But don't be surprised that as we go through life, your deceptive heart, your deceptive mind could end up making Jesus feel opposed to your freedom rather than the enabler of your freedom. You see what I'm saying? You could end up thinking that your freedom and relationship with Jesus are two separate things when in fact they're not at all two separate things. They are one and the same thing. But the Jewish people, much like many of us today and much of our world today, looks at relationship with God and doesn't see an opportunity, an invitation for freedom, but rather sees an an offensive invitation. What do you mean? I'm already free. I don't need this. I don't need that. I don't need Jesus. In fact, stand opposed to the very invitation that he's offering to the real freedom that he knows that we need. What is real freedom? It's an important question. And I'm going to stick with Jesus because I believe he knows what real freedom is much more than what I know. Over and over and over in this passage, he makes sure that we know that he is one with God and that when he speaks, he speaks not with his own thinking. He speaks with the very words and authority of God. He is the word became flesh. He is God among us. He speaks in absolutes and he speaks deep into our hearts. And in fact, Next point is this. What is real freedom? That's the question. But I'll tell you, Jesus wants us to see our deepest spiritual need for freedom. You can write that down. Jesus is wanting us. He's wanting us so much to, to define freedom in the right way. To realize that you shouldn't just want to be free in your own thinking or free in the way of the world. You should want to experience the deepest level of freedom possible. Everybody wants to be free, right? So don't settle for half freedom. Don't settle for momentary freedom. Don't settle for self-centered freedom. Listen to Jesus. Speak to the depth of your soul and say, I made you. I made your heart. I gave you life. I breathed life into you and you're in your mother's womb. I made you to experience freedom. Let me tell you the freedom that you need. Let me talk to you about what is your deepest 
need for freedom, and it is a spiritual need for freedom above all. That's what Jesus is saying. And he helps them understand their deepest need for freedom really in two ways. The first way that he speaks to their freedom is is desire. And the second way that he's going to speak to their need for freedom is destiny. I picked these two words because they both started with D. (laughs) And I like the alliteration. Um, You could use a lot of other words for this, but I, I, I... I'm trying to, I love teaching the Bible. I want you to hear from Jesus and I want you to remember. I want you to be able to live in the things that we look at together. This is not just, you know, for hearing only, but this is for doing. And I I hope this helps. But he said, I want to talk to you about your heart. And I want to show you two things in your heart that you need to see. One is you need freedom and the level of your desires. And second is you need freedom as it relates to your destiny, where you're going to spend your eternity. And he talks to both of those. Let's just start with desire. Again, I don't want you to just go, well, where does he just pull this out of a magic hat or something, these words? I mean, where where is he getting this? I'm getting it right from the word. Here we go. Let's start with desire. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They go, what? What are you talking about? We don't need freedom. That was the message version. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits, what? Sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. He goes and continues in verse 37. He says, I know that you're my offspring, you're offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. In other words, you're not free to receive my word. I speak of what I've seen with the Father, and you do what you've heard from your Father. And they're thinking, wait, our father is the same as your father. But Jesus comes back to them in verse 39, and he, you know, they say, Abraham's our father. And he goes, nope, you're not Abraham's children, because if you were Abraham's children, you'd fall in the way of Abraham's faith, and you'd be happy about uh, seeing me. Verse 43, he gets into the heart of what he's trying to tell them. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. Dang. Drop the mic. And your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. And then he goes on in verse 45. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe in me. He goes on in verse 47. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. (laughs) What is he saying? He's going, dudes, you might feel free, but down on your heart, you're not free. At the deepest level of your desire, your heart is controlled by sin. When you hear my word, you like run from it because you're stuck in your sin. 
You, you, you don't have the capacity in your heart to love God and to, to truly be completely yielded and surrender to God, to really hear what God is saying and to be willing to receive that in such a way that it would move you to conviction and repentance and transformation. Instead, your heart is, you are trapped. You're trapped because you sinned. And everyone who commits a sin becomes enslaved, becomes trapped in sin. There's this deeper, undergirding power that's at work in our hearts. Before we have a relationship with Jesus, we are controlled, friends. We might think that we are free, but you end up controlled by the sin that you have chosen. Our sin and our sinful desire to walk away from God, to try to find life and happiness and joy and all those things that we were meant to find in God, our sinful desire to walk away from God, those things end up controlling our hearts. Oh, you might feel freedom to drink and to sex and to play and to achieve and to power grab and all those things. You might feel the most free in the ways of the world. But God's looking at your heart and he's saying, you're not free because your sin and those sinful, selfish desires control you. You don't even have a choice to walk away from it. You're so compelled and coerced to keep going after that which you think is freedom, which is not freedom at all. I'm looking at your heart and I'm saying, there's a problem. Because you're not free at all. You're enslaved to sin and your sinful desires. Even when you hear God's word, you, can't, you don't find the capacity, the ability to really receive it. You close yourself to it because you're so stuck in your sin and your sinful choices. That's why the Bible in many places describes those of us apart from God, that we are following the prince of the power of the air, like it says in Ephesians 2. We're following our, our fleshly, our worldly desire, following after the prince of the power of the air. Now, not many of us have probably made a choice to follow the devil. Anybody made that choice? I don't want to know about it. Some of you may have, and I mean, that is a testimony of some people. Jesus can deliver you even from demons and can forgive you even from, from following in that level of wickedness. But even if we haven't made the overt choice to, to give our life to the devil, the devil is a liar, and from the beginning, he was after deceiving Adam and Eve, telling them that what they needed was not to be found all in God. God is holding pieces back from them. They needed to look elsewhere other than God. It is at the root of sin is idolatry, turning to other things when we were meant for God. And he's been deceiving from the beginning. He is a liar, and there's no truth in him. And when we, in our own lives, begin to make choices not to believe that all that we need, all life, all happiness, all joy, all freedom is in God, when we begin to believe it's not that way, and we need something else. When we start looking after thing, after thing, after thing, looking within to, to get us what only God can give us, that is idolatry, and we end up following the prince of the power of the air, the, the one who is the deceiver. Knowingly or unknowingly, our sin has led us away from God and our sin has produced this nature in us to where we are controlled now, not by God, but primarily by our sin. And therefore, friends, at the deepest level, we might feel free surface level, but at the deepest level, we are not free. We need something deep to change in our heart. 
We need a freedom of desire. Secondly, we need a freedom of destiny. We need a freedom of destiny. In verse 19, verse 19, I'm I'm hopping around because I see all these themes throughout the chapter as he builds to this crescendo of freedom. They said to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. In other words, he's saying, you don't have a relationship with God. Skip down to verse 21. And he says to them again, I am going away and you will seek me. And you will die in your sin. What's he speaking to? He's speaking to destiny. You keep going down this path of enslavement to sin without a change in your heart. And you will die in this path. Your destiny is to die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot You will not come. What's he speaking to? Destiny. Verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus is saying, at the end of the day, no matter how free you feel, if the result, the end product of of your way of life, even as free as you might feel, and whatever it is that sin that you're chasing after, and you feel free in that, if that leads you to death, life apart from God forever, is that real freedom? Heck no. They ain't freedom at all. That's a farce. Everybody agree with that? It's a farce. Don't you want the deepest, truest freedom? Yes, you should. But we need it in two ways. We need it in the level of our desire. We need it in the level of our destiny. Now, something so extraordinarily helpful, I'm going to go kind of quick, is something that I found that was written and defined by John Piper. There are four needs for freedom. And if you could get this, oh man, if you could get this in your noggin, I really believe it is so helpful because he helps to unpack what's going on in our heart. There are four needs for freedom. And I believe, uh, I'm gonna give you a quote here from John Piper. You are fully free. Everybody should write this down. All right, here we go. You are fully free, completely free. Yes, free indeed, that's what Jesus says. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. What does it look like to be free indeed? That's what we're trying to answer. Here it is. You are fully free, completely free. Yes, free indeed. When you have the desire, the ability, and the opportunity to do what will make you happy and leave you with no regrets forever. You want to know what real freedom is? Real freedom is this. When you find the desire, the ability, the opportunity to do what will make you happy and leave you with no regrets forever. Now, does everybody have this written down? Can I move on? All right, I'll move on. Look at your neighbor's. Here's, how, here's another way you can explain this. 
If you don't have the desire to do something, then you're not truly free to do it. Does everybody understand this? Here's what I'm saying. A lot of people, I have worked with a lot of people over the years, helping them to understand what it's looked like to have a relationship with God. And a lot of people, if we're honest with ourselves, come at a relationship with God thinking, uh, it's burdensome. I got to do this and I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. They see it as a list of roles. They see it as Jesus saying, come, you know, all of the invitations they see as a burden instead of an invitation. If you have to muster your willpower to do something, that's not real freedom, is it? We need a desire. If we don't have the desire to do something, then we're not really free to do it. Life with Jesus is not a duty, but it is a delight. And the biggest thing that needs to change in our heart is that we must have a desire for something. Secondly, okay, let's say we have the desire for it, but listen, if you have the desire for it, but you don't have the ability to do it, you are not free. Everybody tracking? So say you want something so bad, but there's nothing in you that's able That's not freedom. That's misery. Okay, let's say you have the desire and the ability, but third, if you have no opportunity. You want something, you can do that, but you don't ever find the opportunity to do that. Is that real freedom? No, it's not. And let's take it one more level. Let's say you have the This is the way a lot of us live, if we're honest. Let's say that we feel free because we got the desire, we got the ability, we got the opportunity. Freedom! Like, was it Gladiator? Braveheart. I do that every time. Every time. I always get that one wrong. It's Braveheart. I am a man's man, I promise. Freedom! You know? Let's say we're living, living living it up, living it free. And we think, gosh, I got the desire, the ability, the opportunity, but listen, fourth, if you have the desirability and opportunity to do something, but it destroys you in the end, you are not fully free. If it leaves you with regret, you're not fully free. Piper goes through an illustration to explain it. I don't have time for it. I'm really sad about it, but he goes through an illustration to talk about, you know, people who want to go like free falling, parachute jumping. And you could get through a lot of obstacles. You know, if, you, if you're trying to get to the airport where you're going and the car breaks down, then, you know, maybe you don't even want to, but if you do have the desire to and then you don't have the ability to and then maybe it doesn't happen to where you have the opportunity to because you can't figure out how to do it yourself, but then you find somebody who can tandem jump with you and then you get up there and let's say you have the desire to building an opportunity it all opens up and you jump out of the plane Woo! but then your parachute doesn't open is that freedom maybe for a second not going to end well not going to end well let's don't equate freedom 
with one or two or even three to understand full freedom, you gotta have all four of these components. And let me tell you why I'm here today. I'm here today to proclaim good news to you. Are you ready for it? Jesus has the ability to set you totally, fully, completely, forever free. He is our freedom. Some of y'all are entertained by this, and some of you are thinking, when is this over? The next point is this. Only Jesus can bring real and full freedom to our hearts and lives. Jesus, and yes, only Jesus can bring real freedom to our hearts and lives. Jesus answered them, verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, imagine Jesus looking square in your eyeballs. And he's saying this to you. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. I am your freedom. And if I set you free, you're free indeed. Now, how can the Son set you free? Here's how he can set you free. Remember at the end of the chapter where they're going, wait, you just said that you saw Abraham rejoice in the day and he was happy? And he goes, listen. I know I'm only 50 years old, but you may misunderstand. Now, he's not even 50. He, he was under 50. That's what he's saying. He's like 30. But you may misunderstand who I am. Before Abraham was, I am. In other words, I'm not, I wasn't just born 30 years ago. I am the word became flesh to dwell among you. I am God. I am your God. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. And I stand before you today saying that the fullness of time has come. I am your Messiah, the one who has come to set you free. And it is only me. From all time, I am the only one who has ever had the ability to give you real freedom. And I'm here to do just that. And if you allow the Son to set you free, you will be free you know what happens for all who come to Jesus? He gives freedom on all four levels. The first level, the desire, how does he bring freedom? He brings freedom to our desire by changing us, by transforming us. He brings us the freedom of desire because Jesus and only Jesus can give you a new desire for God. He doesn't come to you and say, you need to follow God. Get yourself in order. And you end up with a whole life of of rule keeping and law following and and trying to bring yourself with great burden to do something in, in your duty to God. No, for those who come to Jesus, he gives you a brand new desire. He puts his Holy Spirit in you and changes your heart of sin and enslavement to sin to be a heart that loves God. For those who know Jesus, it's not a chore to, to love Jesus. It's a delight to love Jesus because he's given us a heart of delight and joy in God. Jesus changes our desire. He supplants the old desire and he makes us new. We're baptizing too today. I'm so excited about it. Are you? I'm so excited about it. And they're going to stand before you today and say, I was once lost, dead in my trespasses and sins, but God has made me alive in Jesus Christ. He has given me new life. My desire is now not for sin. My desire, my greatest desire is for Jesus because he has made me new. 
not only does he give us the desire, but his Holy Spirit is given to us to give us the ability. The ability. And he gives us the opportunity. He prepares good works for us in advance that we might walk in them, Ephesians chapter 2. And he gives us this forever. In your presence is fullness of joy. Life everlasting. There will be no regrets for those who trust and follow Jesus because we are free in him and his promise goes on and on and on into all eternity. Amen. For those who know Jesus, he changes our, our desires. He gives us freedom as he transforms our heart. That's why I love what Jesus says in verse 12 of chapter, chapter 8. He speaks to them saying, I am the light of of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus changes our hearts, and we find freedom in our desire. He shines his light into our dark place, and we follow him. And in our following, we experience light, the light of life. Praise Jesus. Not only does he transform our heart by giving us freedom of desire, but he also gives us freedom of destiny. He brings freedom to our destiny. Verse 51, I know we're hopping around, but it's all here. Verse 51, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. It's a promise from Jesus that for those who the sun sets free, they're free indeed. Part of this freedom involves life forever. Jesus taking away not only sin that destroys our hearts, but the condemnation of sin that controls our destiny. And he does this by taking our place. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. We can be freed from the curse of the law because he has become a curse for us in our place. Jesus frees us for life with God forever, but he does this because he takes the condemnation for sin that you and I deserve. He takes our place. For those who the Son sets free, they are free indeed because he's saying, I have come, I have come to die the death that you deserve to die. I have come to take the enslavement to sin. I have come to bear it in my own body and I have come to put it away. My death count for your death. And when I rise from the dead to newness of life and I give you my life, which is my freedom, you will live forever with me. Where I am, you will also be. You will never taste death. For the Christian, death is like a car. It takes us where we want to go. Though our bodies die, our souls live forever because we've experienced real freedom. We are free indeed. Amen? As we transition to our time of response this morning, there is one remaining question. And the question is this, how can we experience this real freedom in Jesus? And the answer is simple. 
over and over and over in the passage, you heard it. There are two words that come out. One is believe, and the second is abide. Believe and abide. Jesus invites us to experience freedom. He stands before us and he says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. How is it that the Son can set me free, you might be asking. He can set you free if you put all of your trust in him. If you believe him, Jesus says to the Jews, if you believe that I am he, you will be free. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? That he is God? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that Jesus and only Jesus is the one who can free you from your sin? Can free you from your enslavement to sin? That Jesus really can change your heart in such a way that you have new desire, total ability, and free opportunity to have a relationship with God. For all who believe, He gives them the right children of God. We were born not of blood or the flesh or the will of man, but born of God. Believe. Believe. Do you believe? And secondly, do you abide? Does your belief continue day in and day out as you struggle, as you face the temptations in your workplace or in your home, or when it's dark late at night in your room, when you're struggling and having fights in your marriage, when you're facing internal battles, when you, you feel plagued in your mind, when you've got relationships or circumstances that are out of your control that just seem to be spinning like crazy. Do you believe and are you willing to continue to abide in belief, to make your home in Jesus, where you are saying every moment of every day, Jesus, you are my freedom. You're my only freedom. I need you. I believe you. I'm coming to you because I want you to do something in my heart to where I experience the freedom of just knowing you. And that being my greatest source of happiness and joy. Believe, Jesus invites us. Abide, Jesus invites us. Experience freedom.